Hello, and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions Florida and the director of Fresh Expressions United Methodist. And our guest today is Micah Blanks. Uh, Micah is the director of adult ministries at Trinity United Methodist Church in Gainesville, Florida. Can we give it up for the Gator Nation in the house? Uh, The true capital of Florida? No, just kidding. Um, And Micah has a BA in humanities and pre-law from Bluefield State College and an MDiv from United Theological Seminary. Big props to all the United people in the house among our listeners too. And prior to Trinity, he has served as a licensed local pastor in the West Virginia Annual Conference of the UMC, where he was awarded the 2019 Martin Luther King Jr. Sharing of Self Award. That's a big deal, y'all. By the Governor and Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs. And from Appalachia to Alachua, Micah seeks to live into his life verse, Micah 6.8. And this quote from Coach Phil Jackson, love is the force that ignites the spirit and binds teams together. Amen. So Micah, first, um, tell us who is Micah Blanks? Okay, that's awesome. Well, it's um, it's great to to hear the bio and to think, oh my gosh, I actually I actually do ministry. But um, <laughs> thank you to both of you for having me um, on the podcast. Who is Micah Blanks? Um, a pastor's kid, a friend, a preacher, um, and a um, sometimes theologian. Uh, you know, I've been obviously a pastor's kid, so I've all my life I've gone to church and just kind of lived into this this. Um, loving others. As you read um, one of my favorite quotes by Phil Jackson, love is the is the for- force that ignites teams and binds them together. And I just think that that's who I am, a person who tries to cultivate love and energy for, for all different types of people of walks of life. So, yeah. That's awesome. For our listeners who might not know Micah 6a, mm. tell us okay. what that is and why it's important to you. Okay. It's very important. Um, both of my parents, they, they love the, the prophets. And so for some reason, they had all kinds of uh, names going back and forth. One of them was Michael. And, and then my, my dad kind of looks at mom and, and says, Micah. And then she, she, this is what they told me about the story of it was that she was the one holding me after he looked at her and said, Micah. And then she said, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? And like from mm. that moment on, it was just they they said it forward and said, that's your name. And I thought, you know, as I got older, I thought, wow, what a hard verse to kind of, you know, live into. Every day I try to do better, but I'm just, I'm sure I'm failing, um, you know, in all kinds of ways. So um, there's uh, there's something to that idea of Wesleyan perfection to to press on towards the high calling of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's what I endeavor to do. I love that. Yeah. I also love the prophets. I think that's one of the things that um, Mm -hmm. kind of when, you know, you have your like 
crisis of faith and throughout your life and yeah. that um, those kinds of things. Like, I think the thing that kept me Christian that made me think, no, I think this is worth it. I think this is, I think I'm, I'm on this side, you know, was reading the prophets and learning about how God is on the side of the people that we often forget. Exactly. And so um, I also really love the prophets. I yeah. think that's so cool. Well, and, and Piper, you're also a PK as well. Um, yeah. 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 Are you still doing that podcast for, for preachers kids? Cause uh, I think that would be amazing. Yes. Okay. I didn't want to overwhelm you with podcast requests, oh, but yeah. you were, I was going to ask you after this one was done. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love for you. Right. I have a, my podcast is called pastor's kid and I interview fellow pastor's kids where we just talk about growing up mm-hmm. in the cent- the epicenter of religion and yeah. what it's like to kind of see that through the eyes of the child of a clergy person who is always inside of the church um and what that's like kind of bringing taking faith on to yourself as you start to grow up and put it into your own hands and those kinds of things and how faith evolves and relationships evolve so i, I really love that podcast it's yeah. my it's, i love it right it sounds yeah. amazing um yeah just everything i've i've heard i haven't gotten to see an episode or, or listen yet but yeah um, i'll do some homework yeah. Oh, yeah, you definitely should. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit about, um, um, well, actually, I don't know if we did. Okay, I, this might be a question or not that we were going to talk about. But so you worked in small churches in Appalachia, where you're from, and then you moved to uh, um, one of the largest ones, largest churches in a large city in Florida. And so what was that like for you? Was there like culture shock and what, how was that transitioning from ministering to ministering in a different way and in a completely different environment? Right. Well, it's uh, gosh, it's, it's ministry in a different way there, there in Appalachia and West Virginia, I was a licensed local pastor and here I'm a director of adult ministry. Um, this summer while, um, Stephen, Catherine, Price are away. I get I get to step back into some of those roles, uh, doing pastoral visitation and and all of that. But um, I think there was a culture shock because I still wanted to do things on that small church model. I mean, really small church. We just can we can we love each other through whatever the issue is. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, it'll come together on Sunday. But you can't expect something to come together on Sunday for. 200 plus people, you know, it's, it needs to be in place and, and ready to go. Um, and in West Virginia, when I was at some of those rural churches, I mean, literally they would uh, um, tr- drive their ATVs or sometimes their donkeys or horses to church. And then, you know, and it's just, it's very much so um, that very little um, one room community church that you could imagine. Uh, and then here at, at Trinity, we have rooms that I'm sure I probably still haven't been in, and I've been here for two years. So it just it says a lot to uh, the scale of ministry that is possible. Um, I think actually in both places, um, in rural ministry, there's some really poignant stuff that that can happen. I think um, I can remember one time I was sitting there stirring molasses for about two hours with a group, and then we just like broke out and started to sing. Um, Amazing Grace, and gosh, that was one of the best worship services that I've ever been a part of. But here at Trinity, we do something called Drive Through Ashes. You know, our signs out on the front lawn say, "Get your ash in here," and so it's it's really cool um, just to think about how 
how different ministry actually is. Yeah, so in, in West Virginia, um, I, I just earlier, I guess this is last year now, but had an opportunity to visit and go through there. And um, the developer was telling me that West Virginia is like super white. The population yeah. is super Caucasian. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, and I guess I didn't, um, I didn't pinpoint on that. And I would say that three out of the four congregations that I served in West Virginia, it, they were cross-cultural appointments. I would say that by the time I was done at all three churches, though, there were you know people of of all kinds of different uh, nationalities, ages. It was very intergenerational. The churches grew in in ways that I think it, it came from you know. That's probably why I got awarded the Sharing of Self Award from uh, Her the Herbert Henderson office. Um, I think it, you know, I really put myself out there in the community and became experiential. The stages one and two of doing a fresh expression, um, listening, learning, loving. I was doing like all of those things, and, and it's really important to make sure we do that. Yeah. So, can you give us like? Give us a couple snapshots of what that looked like for you, listening, loving, and serving. Like mm. the cross-cultural appointment, mm. missionary, you know, immersing yourself in this new yeah. kind of context with a new kind of people. And Right, right. Well, okay. I mean, I've already given one small vignette, and it really is the molasses making was probably the second or third biggest fundraiser that this church did. I mean, it had nothing to do with their faith, but there was something that, you know, the community grew to love and, and almost expect from them. And so I'm, I'm out there in um, goulashes or boots up to my knees, never experienced this out in a cow pasture, just stirring molasses. And, and we're, we're having worship. I mean, really, truly, um, I think we did everything except for pass a, com a collection plate, you know, <laughs> and there was a sermon, there was a word or a testimony. And it, it was just and and I say that that word testimony, it's kind of, it can be triggering for people, but but really that's what it was: people sharing their journey of faith. Um, another vignette uh, every Tuesday from yeah every Tuesday from 2015 to 2020, you could find me at the local. They called it a soup opera. We had we um, cooked food for some people who were um, experiencing housing insecurity, and I mean, gosh, the the part that I love the most was actually serving the food instead of cooking it. I mean, it was an all day affair. We'd get there. I say all day. We'd get there um, probably about 8 a.m. to 1.30 and just do lunch and be prepared to be there with the people of the community. And they, they would come and they'd say, well, this guy is my pastor. I don't go to his church, but, you know, he's, he's really a, a wonderful guy. And, and so um, I think... The soup opera was in a, a wonderful position in that they're they're nestled in this community that is kind of grappling with some heroin addiction and and some things like that and and the the police station is right across the street and so I was able to kind of bridge that gap a little bit to to help those people interact with you know the the legal forces as as necessary that way it wasn't always a, a contentious environment when the police came came to uh, came to the soup opera so those are two small stories I I think there are a bunch of others um, there we did one called the radical discipleship Academy of Appalachia where we took youth from ages 13 to 18 
and help them explore their calling to ministry, all kinds of different things. Mm, that's, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Here in Florida, I think the people raise money with uh, fish fries. Oh, really? Fish fries? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring fish. Like people, like the church that I, when I lived out, side of Tallahassee church yeah. United Methodist church I went to they would have an annual fish frying mm -hmm. so everybody be catching your fish and have keep them on ice until it was time and then they all fry them all together and sell them or give them away yeah if you're familiar with Gigi's cupcakes I'm not sure if you are here in Gainesville um, we have mm -hmm. now Missy Newbauer she is our new food hospitality coordinator and so she used to make their cupcakes and now she's she's in our kitchen so I think our new fundraiser is going to be cupcakes Wow. Yeah, like graduation cupcakes, birthday cupcakes, like Yeah. Yeah. That means that you get the leftovers. Oh my god. <laughs> so you're lucky. <laughs> I, I try not to. I've done really well with getting rid of my sweet tooth. So Uh oh. Yeah, but she prepared some banana pudding for our lead staff meeting this morning. So <laughs> uh, you're already down that road, I, uh, the slippery slope. Yeah, just, yeah, just go with it, right? <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a little bit about the Fresh Expressions journey that yeah. you were kind of embodying when you lived in West Virginia. Yeah. And then now you're working, like I said earlier, with this large church mm -hmm. in the largest city in your part of Florida. Right. So what are some of the ways that you do or that you hope to challenge your congregation and to draw people from their pews and to empower them to be the church out in the community yeah. as opposed to trying to draw people in? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I got to lead the lead staff meeting this morning and shared with them the um, Eat, Pray, Love video that you, you sent to me. Where's that church? I forget. Um, it's not Pata Vidra. Cape Coral, yeah. right south of Fort Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Okay. I shared with them that video and and talked to the lead staff individuals. Actually, it was full staff. And, and told them about how Fresh Expressions isn't just going to come from the silo of adult ministries. Fresh Expressions can come from youth. It can come from, I mean, gosh, you, you name it. And, and there could be a fresh expression that, that comes out of it as long as there is a person to cultivate the community through listening, learning, and loving. And um, so that's the big push right now. We're, we're putting together a training that's going to happen at some point in the fall. Um, for people to, you know, that are a part of different ministry areas, they can come and, and learn and see how they can apply some of the principles of Fresh Expressions to um, their ministry area. Uh, here in, in Gainesville, we have obviously the UF Gators. Um, I can't say go Gators. I've actually never been. I've, I've been to one basketball game now. So, but, um, but you're being very cross-cultural, yeah, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, you're in, in the swamp, so I might as well, you know, it's right. I've never done a chomp before, but, um, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, here now we have two fresh expressions that we're, we do, um, that are re really big hallmarks of, of what the Fresh Expressions team has put together. We have our trivia night um, and our trivia team is Methodist to our madness. And we go and, and we, we partner with different teams and different people. It's very intergenerational. Um, the, the Actually, some of the students who are in residency for med school at UF, they love to come over and partner with us. Um, yeah, and even uh, First Magnitude that does, 
puts on the trivia, they, they kind of give us a shout out every time. Hey, if you need a new team and you want to meet some wonderful people, um, and we just have some great conversation. And the other one, that other fresh expression that we have is called pop up in the park. And so we kind of, we pop up in, in different parks and, and we kind of, we get to know people and, and we, we really pair it with, you know, what is this, what are, what is this community needing right now? So we know that there are a couple of parks where they do track training. So we might provide some water or we might go to another park where they're doing, you know, where a kid, you know, some event is and we're, we're doing popsicles or popcorn since we call it pop up. And so it's a really fun thing just to go and partner with the communities and really just kind of get to know them in their space. That's the biggest thing. So, yeah. Hmm. I hope that answers your question because you asked me, how am I challenging the, the congregation? I, I will say that when it comes to the inherited church, um, I, I really, I tread lightly on who, who I challenge to go out and do the fresh expressions mm -hmm. because we really are in the space of least harm. And um, I say that with love towards anyone who would ever want to do witness. But um, Michael, you, uh, you and Mike Moyna really coined that term witness. And, and as soon as you like kind of helped me with that, I, I really, um, I held on to it and I'm like, I can get behind that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I want you, Maybe one of you two can elaborate more on the witness versus withness. Oh, Michael, that's you all day. I, I, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> well, and then maybe you can give like practical mm -hmm. how how you embodied this. But you got it. The the key idea is before you can ever be a witness, you have to be a witness. Um, and one of the major you know, issues with evangelism, church planting, mission, pretty much in general in Western history, at least, has been um, this kind of domineering, uh, uh, you know, expansionist, colonialist, basically, uh, way of being church where it's like you go in and you, you know, you take back the community for Jesus or you, you know, you witness uh, to and it's like a hit and run and you knock some people on your belt that, oh, you know, someone prayed the sinner's prayer and now they'll go to heaven when they die. There's all of that stuff. Um, and that's not at all what Jesus did or what he taught the disciples to do, but he was just living incarnationally with people, developing relationships, listening, cultivating um, community in the process of being about justice and the kingdom and healing the sick and liberating the oppressed and all those things and building community as that was taking place. So witness gets us back to like, um, just go build relationships with people, listen to people, learn their stories, learn their names, uh, love them and, and build relationships, you know, slowly over time. So that's trying to shift that whole culture around witness in this collapsed way of like witness is just about going to tell people about our faith. Um, yeah. 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 I really, I liken everything to a hymn. I think um, probably full and lead staff here at Trinity, they, they, get, they probably get tired of all my musical uh, references. Like, and I'll, I'll reference Tupac or Biggie or I'll reference like <laughs> TLC or, oh my gosh, you know. And so so for this one, the musical reference that I have is the, the old hymn, we'll, we'll tell the stories. Um, 
you know, by and by. And and I think it's it's nice that that we tell the story, but but everyone has a story to share. And so as mm-hmm. long as we go and 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 know that and listen to people, I think that mm-hmm. um, there's more to learn from them than than they can learn from us. Um, one of my uh, favorite professors, shout out to United Theological Seminary, but one of my favorite pr- professors, she's actually passed away now, um, rest her soul, Dr. Emma Justice. Uh, she is so amazing. Um, she just really um, taught me the idea of pastoral visitation. And uh, it, was, it was that idea of witness to, to really sit there and to not be afraid to allow the silence to have mm. to to listen and and create the space um, as a spiritual director would for for that person to to really open up and get there and and telling their story sharing themselves and so it takes a very um, patient person it takes a very self aware person I mean especially if you're doing it around trivia night at a you know at a um, brewing company I think you have to be pretty self aware to say okay, maybe this might not be, um, I think I'm bridging the gap from witness to witness if I share too much at one time. And so, like you said, Mike, it is a big uh, paradigm shift for sure. Yeah, and I'm wondering, because just knowing the history of Trinity and um, it's it's where attractional church can actually still work a little bit. And, and there's just this history of, like Odin Martin, uh, yeah. and then, you know, Dan Johnson and great preachers that were known to kind of fill the place up, you know, with the preaching gift and discipleship was very, you know, programmatic. We come to the church and we do all the stuff and we get formed as Christians and then we go live that out. But I feel like, um, how you're kind of leading the congregation is that yes. And like you said, you know, you're cautious, with understanding where people's mental models are, but you're also pulling them towards this other idea too, like that church can go and be out there with people outside the church who are never going to come here. Right, right. So I always tell everybody, it's it's great that you bring up Odine Martin and Dan Johnson because my office is called the Odine Martin Prayer Room, and so I'm kind of <laughs> like, man, that's those are some that's some big shoes to fill. Uh, just yeah. when you have an office named after some, someone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and so Trinity has a rich history of coming to this building. We got 65 acres here and a, another another few acres across town. Um, you know, and so it we have that rich history of coming here to do church, inherited church all day. We, you know, um, what's the, the, the Greek for it? Is it Clara, Claronomio? You know, um, we are joint inheritors with Christ, but, but then to take it out mm-hmm. into the, into the world, that is, um, that's so important. So, um, when I first got here, I did something called the spiritual formation assessment where I took our core values, big hearted, Christ minded, spirit led and bound by love. And I kind of associated them with scriptures, um, descriptors and scriptures and kind of asked the congregation to kind of do a, a self-evaluation and let, let me know how you interact with that. And from there, it's not a score on your faith, but from there, I'm able to say, hey, um, well, have you thought about pushing the needle of your faith into 
this space. And so then we offered classes either here or out in the community that, that really um, pushed that, push that needle a little bit further. Um, and a lot of people have responded well to that. They've gotten great resources or um, opened up or joined a new Sunday school. And I think Sunday school for some people can feel like an antiquated model, but when, when some of these uh, Sunday schools are doing dinner church at their houses or they're having different meetings out, you know, it's like the extracurricular stuff. It's not just Sunday school. That's a, that's a great model for small groups. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how you're like leading the blend ecology in that way. And you have, you know, what um, I, I would call the contextual intelligence um, to, to see all that. And I feel like we too quickly, um, dismiss the inherited church and all the yeah. the deep treasury of, of um, resources stories tools that it brings um, and i love jesus parable of the new wine old wine skin you know you don't put new wine in the old skin because it goes through the process it will harden and burst the skin through that fermentation process so you put new wine and new skins and but people forget the last part of his parable where it's and so both are preserved so you put fresh wine and fresh skins, vintage wine and vintage skins, so both are preserved. And I feel like we too quickly, we want to blow up the old skins. Mm. Whereas Jesus is actually saying, no, both of these things are really important. Uh, and he's working with an inherited tradition, right, that he's fulfilling. Um, and so if a Sunday school can turn into a dinner church planter, you know, uh, those things still have value and stuff. So sometimes we're too quick to like throw rocks at the the existing things without saying, Hey, there might be a missional like underneath this, mm -hmm. um, really lively thing that could be a reappropriated for the 21st century and might, you know, connect people to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and, and that's really good. That's a really good point. And, and the Sunday school that I'm thinking of the seekers, shout out to the seekers here at Sun at, at Trinity. Um, they, I think they have probably 40, 45 members. And so it's not a small group by, by any That's means. A church. That is a Sunday school, you know, and so they do well. I mean, they get together and they do all kinds of things, um, whether they're, they're deciding, hey, we're going to go as a Sunday school, help out at, at Fall Fest or help out at some of the church events. And so, and, and all of that is from a vintage skin doing something new. So, yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, that's essentially the size of a congregation in most most Methodist churches today. But. Well, I was going to say it is the size of three of the congregations that I was at in West Virginia. So, you know, <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, they were just like so tiny. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but mighty, tiny, but mighty for sure. They got a lot done for the Lord. Yeah. Hmm. There's so much value to those little, little churches, that's you true. know, and that's what most of them are. You know, yeah. there's the mega right. churches that... Are the in the big churches that might get more attention, but it's those little churches yeah. that kind of keep it going. And yeah, I can't remember what the statistic was when I was in West Virginia because I used to love to look at Mission Insight and a few other websites. But um, you know, I think it was like the small church. I mean, I'm talking less than 75 members made up 90 percent of the churches in west virginia you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it was few and far between when you're going to get to a worship that had 100 plus people mm -hmm. so yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah okay before we move on i had a, i have um an analogy that i've been working on 
So, and it's, and it works for Florida really well. So, um, you know, like cypress trees, how they have the cypress knees that will pop up and they Mm -hmm. are part of the root system. They're part of the tree, but they pop up and then they really don't know exactly what the purpose of those little, those little shoots are, but that's what it feels like to me. Is that what, that's what like fresh expressions are they because it's possible that the cypress knees help to aerate the tree roots to bring them air or to like even to dry them out because they're so like waterlogged or they create a barrier that catches like when because of erosion and things like that so it helps to reduce that um or they help to anchor the tree into a muddy soil and i think that is such a cool thing that um michael you talk about this blended ecology or you talk about these trees that people will um you know put together different kinds of trees all into one big growth and i think like this i was like that's what a cypress tree is you know they have these these little shoots that come up and they spring up out of the water and you're like you might not even realize that this this little um, you know cypress knee that's across from the swamp is actually connected to this bigger, larger tree, and that's what it's like in you know like the kingdom of God. We're all connected to each other, and we all serve these different purposes that keep it grounded and rooted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that wonderful. I like it, and I love cypress trees. They're like my favorite. They're so pretty. I like going out to the swamp. That's my favorite here in North yeah. Florida. <laughs> Well, you're talking about Cypress. Um, we there's a there's, there's a brewery here in uh, Gainesville called Cypress and Grove, and and I don't think they have any cypress trees on their property. <laughs> I was that's what I was thinking about. I was like, huh, I can't believe that. But yeah, they are beautiful trees. They better, they need to grow one. That's probably hard. They'll have to they have to have a bunch of water first, probably. <laughs> yeah, they're all mm. kinds of landlocked. There's there's no water. Oh yeah, um, near them unless it's deep mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Cool. I, would, I love that Piper. That's good. Oh, good. Yeah. Write it down. Yeah. You... yeah. That's the next. <laughs> that's a book. Yeah. There you go. Um. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about how, like, um, how every like community is part of a larger community, whether it's geographically or like virtually. Um, because I think sometimes people feel it seems like the church wants to exist in like a vacuum but it doesn't you know um i mean i think a good example you guys keep talking about the gators even though i'm up here in florida state country um but you know that's something that's like that is part of the greater community of gainesville or of that that's part of florida and so um what do you think is the significance of a faith community being part of their greater community and how can that be used as a way to serve that community and to create a, a proper kind of relationship that is fulfilling and hopeful and brings life? Oh my, that's a big question. Um, I think, I think for me, uh, just, you know, keeping the conversation exactly where we were, um, it's that it's the vintage skin of a vintage skin of saying, Hey, um, the church has always kind of been one of, let's say, the communal gathering points. It's a place where people come together. And so I think um, a church that shows it's kind of focused on the needs of the community involved in the community, visible in the community, is number one, seen as a place that's so accepting, so open and loving. Um, During COVID, Trinity actually opened up its campus and probably thousands of people came and got their COVID vaccine here. 
you know, you talk about being a part of the community. That is, you know, to be able to open up your doors and say, hey, if you if you haven't gotten your vaccine yet, let me come over here. And for this side of town, there really, unless you were going at that time, unless you were going to, you know, your drugstore, there really weren't that many opportunities or spaces to get your vaccine. Um, so, so for me, I, I still just think that even though it's a vintage skin, I think opening your doors is, and, and being in the community is just so important just to be that communal safe place. Uh, yeah, that's, good. that's what I, I see there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that we say in Fresh Expressions is church can happen anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So talk, talk a little bit about what that means for you. And then you started to walk us through a little bit of some of the, the fresh expressions you have going, but yeah, like what would somebody experience in one of these communities if they were, if they were joining in with you? Okay. Um, joining in with us, um, since everybody, I love this question because people are always asking, well, what do you, what do you do at fresh expressions? One of the first mm-hmm iterations of fresh expression here we went to another local place and and we we got a room in the back and we had a little worship service back there and and i I wanted to have a little bit of a shift from doing that because that's not so much among the community there and that's not me knocking the fresh expression that was but i just thought i want to be i want to find a way to be with a community that we don't reach very much, and and so if you look at Trinity United Methodist Church, the congreg the the space, the people that we don't reach very well. I don't want to be in competition with Gator Wesley, but it is the college age or young adult, and so um, that's why we targeted um, First Mag. And so when you come and you're engaging in, um, we call it First Tuesday, but now we do it on the first and the third Tuesday. When you when you engage in trivia night you'll come and we'll we have our qr code and we kind of tell people hey we're methodist to our madness we you know we let the name kind of speak for itself but we're not like we're not leading to say hey we're all from a church this is just our team name this is what we're doing and 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 so that that idea of witness permeates everything so we're going to get to know you invite you into our community and and you know along the way you know this through withness and kind of just getting to know people, conversation, um, you'll you'll hear and get to know. Okay, well, you all you work at the church, you go to the church, and, and so and and so some people will will hold on to that and maybe ask questions. They'll pocket that for later, and so we usually look for ways to open the door for a conversation on um, faith background or. Where are you at in your path? Because one thing that is for certain is that we recognize that everybody is in a, in a different path. And so our team is very intergenerational and it is very, um, it, it's, it's a team of people who I think come from all kinds of different walks of life. And so there's going to be a person there who I feel very confident in helping you pray or think about your faith journey in a, in a different way than you probably would at the inherited church. So um, we're still very much so, I think the listening, learning, loving those stages, I mean, we do those constantly. I mean, and, and so, you know, um, 
that that first group of students who were the residents, students and residents, they're, they're graduated and moving on and going to different places now. And so we're still there as our team. And so we're looking for, okay, well, what is that next community that we can insert with and, and be a part of? And so it's, um, I really like to think of it like valence electrons. If, and this is so nerdy. Like if you think about a, a chemical combination of things, you know, electrons, they want to be in full shells. And so we want to have a full shell. So we invite people in and we share our gifts with them as they share their gifts with of trivia with us. So, yeah. So cool. Yeah. I've hosted some trivia nights before, just like mm-hmm. separate from Fresh Expression stuff, but yeah. it's super fun. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up with questions and then... Right. It's fun to host host it. Yeah, we don't host. Thankfully, first first magnitude does that, but we are talking about because everybody's like, "What is this fresh expression thing?" And some people are like, "I'm never going to go to the brewery to do that with you." And mm-hmm. so we serve Wednesday night dinner every Wednesday. Uh, one of the next ways to get people involved in the fresh expression is to begin to have trivia night at our Wednesday night dinner. So they can kind of see what we do so that we can model it for them. So Mm -hmm. that's on the horizon. Um, We'll have questions like what years did Odin Martin preach from, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, just different. So there'll be like a Trinity section and um, a scripture section. So it'll be a whole lot of fun for sure. Nice. I like that. Michael, did I answer your question? I don't know that I... <laughs> you did, you did. And I was just wondering, because, um, I mean, I've heard someone describe Gainesville as like the University of Florida and people live there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole city is a university spread out. You know, it's a university town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like you're you're actually connecting and engaging, but that's also, there's transience to that in some sense yeah. with the students flowing in and out um, and the whole kind of a lot of a lot of industry and jobs and stuff being built around that. Um, and also, I've heard people describe it as pretty, um, pretty post Christendom or like church averse, uh, mm. like definitely people open to spirituality, but but don't talk to me about church. Is that? Describe for us kind of the culture a little bit and how do you okay. how do you navigate all that? Okay, so Gainesville is the swamp. I lived in West Virginia and I didn't experience the South until I moved to Gainesville. Let me just say that and let okay. you all marinate on what that might mean. Um, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I'm going to be very honest. When I moved to Gainesville, I, st- I saw a stark contrast literally from east to west on how people are living in different demographics. Um, there are large um, food deserts on the east side of Gainesville, but yes, it is the home of the Florida Gators. So the Gators, um, the school is a land a land grant inst- institution. I actually think it is the largest land land grant institution land grant institution in Florida. I'm not so sure, but I'm pretty sure it is. And because, like you said, it's very sprawling throughout. So a lot of highly educated people and um, Yes, it is very post-Christendom, very church-averse. And so um, when it comes to fresh expressions and talking to people in the community about their their faith and, and engaging it, it's 
I mean, I hate to say it, but in order to get to the conversation, you kind of have to talk about everything around the conversation. And then, <laughs> you know, then you kind of land there to say, okay, and so, so what is your comfort level with talking about your faith? And it doesn't have to be a church. And, and I've actually found that even in West Virginia, um, I, I have a gift for, and this is, I don't love this gift, but I have a gift for talking with people who have been harmed by the church and, and kind of helping them kind of walk through that. I mean, we know that harm happens in churches. And so when those people find themselves engaging in the fresh expression that the church has helped to provide in that space, they're, they're kind of almost not shocked, but in a way they are. They're, they're kind of thinking, wow, this is this is on par with what I need in my faith journey, and it meets me exactly where I am, and it's it's a, it's a low ask. So, uh, yeah, with, with Gainesville being such a, a very, it's a very diverse, very diverse town, and, and yet um, a lot of similar needs across the community, so. That's good. Um yeah one of the one of the striking things about Gainesville also is like that unfortunate history of uh racism and segregation and redlining and and all of that yeah um, so yeah there there is i think multiple kind of Gainesvilles really um yeah. and so uh, with with so give us like so you you are able to have these conversations with people who've been hurt by the church. What uniquely prepared you for that? Like, is it just a spiritual gift the Lord gave you? Was it oh being raised <laughs> as a pastor's kid? Did you have some kind of experience yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't I would say that um, listening is the spiritual gift that, that God has, has granted. And, and I would say that growing up as a PK, I mean, you see all kinds of things that... I, you know, you're kind of like, oh, wow, I, I don't know how people deal with this or how they, you know, how they have that expectation of your your faith journey. I mean, um, I don't know if I've shared this, but my dad was actually a Baptist pastor. And so, like, you know, I come from the tradition of like handing out Bible tracts and stuff like that, you know, and I kind of thought, oh, my gosh, even as a kid, I was like, this is I'm never going to do this. You know what I mean? Like, this, this is not it for me personally um Mm. so yeah just i honestly think it is because um as much as i do love god i would i would say that i have also been the product of some church harm as well you know i I think that if we if we're very attuned to it or i am at least pretty self-aware that there have been some things um probably being told not right now for um, ordination or, you know, there are just some things that happen in the life of the church that I could have walked away several times, but it's not about, it is so not about this building, these four walls. It is so not about, you know, what conference it is. And, and I know I'm saying that on something that is like, you know, you guys are fresh expressions, UM, and but I, I am such a person of um, let's follow Jesus and, and just love people. That's why, I mean, again, that Phil Jackson quote, love is the force, you know, and it's so, so important that, you know, like if I could Anakin Skywalker people with the force, like with a hug, the force would be love. And <laughs> that's what I would, that's what I would share with people constantly. So, yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I think that more and more um, church hurt is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be seeing and experiencing. And um, a lot of pastors and ministers and are going to kind of be faced with needing to learn that, learn the language of it, needing to learn what things um, can harm people and what are triggering and, um, and own up to the fact that there have been there have been, you know, things that the church has done in the name of Jesus that have has hurt other people, um, and repentance, being willing to repent for it. Yeah. Um, we got to interview um, Elaine Heath and Charles Kaiser, who wrote a book about exactly, basically about this, but it's called um, what was it called Michael Trauma Informed Evangelism? Oh, Trauma Informed wow. Evangelism. Okay. Yeah, I need to read this. Yeah. Yes. And they talked about, um, you know, how you witness through, I guess this witness, right? Just witness through listening mm-hmm. and through walking alongside somebody. Yeah. Um, and I think when, when we're able to do that, um, to bring it back, this is something I actually wanted to talk about earlier when you guys were talking about um, the witness and learning from people's stories and how you, you might think that you're going to be the one that's going to change somebody's life. And then you actually get to know them and they change yours. And I think like, if you're open and willing to understand that you don't have all the answers because nobody does. And also the person across from you might have some incredible insight or something that can change you and that you need to learn. Um, And when it also requires you to be humble. And I think that that might be something that's hard for some church folks and people, leaders and things like that. It's not an easy thing to hear to be humble and to, and to be willing to like, not just listen, but like really listen. There's like different levels of listening, the kind of listening that can transform you and that will make the other person realize that you see them as a whole person, as a valuable person. Um, there's so much that's, I don't know. It's one of the most important skills that I feel like I'm still trying to learn all the time is how to really listen to people. Yeah, it's so big just because when I, I did that spiritual formation assessment um, in, in the bio for that, I had the definition um, for spiritual formation and, you know, to um, be conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others, you know, that sort of thing. And and from there, you know, you have to relinquish control. You have to be able to say, okay, God, you have to be able to let go and just let God be, be God. And um yeah, that listening aspect is so huge in that. Mm-hmm. You know, going in your prayer closet, that's kind of old school. For me, it's going for a walk outside. So, yeah, that listening aspect mm-hmm. is huge. Well, Micah, I know that you, you also um, work with students at the seminary, spiritual formation. And um, how, do you, how do you help cultivate that in others? Like maybe I'm asking this selfishly for my own. Um, it's obviously a spiritual gift that you have personally that you use in ministry constantly. Mm-hmm. But how do you help other folks, students, or maybe some of the people you're working with in the local church, um, cultivate that gift of deep listening? Uh, okay, so, um, so I don't know if it's just from um, prior coaches or teachers or people in my life, but 
that one of the biggest mantras in my life that I've, I've always heard is, you know, you can't listen without being silent. As a matter of fact, they have the, the same letters in them and, you know, it's just, it's that sort of thing. And so whenever mm-hmm. I'm doing spiritual direction with someone, I, I, I almost kind of ask them to enter into that, um, that space of, of silence with me. Like, let's just sit and hang out for a little bit. But, you know, pay attention to your body, see what you're feeling, take a couple deep breaths just at your own pace. Like, you know, let's have a conversation. But if but if there's space for silence there, allow it to happen because we need to we need to slow down enough to listen to what our body is saying, what our mind is, you know, what we're thinking of before we just respond. Um, You know, sometimes you may hear something that's a trigger or an impetus for something in your life, but it might be two to three days down the road before you even realize or have heard exactly what that person says. And so uh, the biggest thing that I do is invite people to slow down and to to listen to themselves, listen to God and listen to others. Um, I think for a lot of people, when we get into that sort of a conversation, it can be very disarming actually for them to think, Oh my gosh, I can't verbal judo you right now. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't win this. That's it's not, we're not, he's not inviting me to have some theological debate, you know, because there are some people who will just come straight in my office and they're there. They're like the great debaters of theology. And, you know, it's just <laughs> one, one thing after another. And, and so when you, when you give them that space of here's a, here's a smile and let's, let's laugh and, and, um, just love one another in in this space. I I think that's, that's how I do it. I mean, it's all based on just kind of like meeting people where they are. Um, Justin LaRocca, Jim Harnish, they have their, their um, tools, a disciple's path. And um, I teach that class probably three times a year now. And, and I think one thing that I learn each and every time that I learn this, that I teach this class is, is wow every single disciple is so different and your journey is going to be that way. So, so we have to allow for the variety of difference and um, yeah. Hmm. That's good. Silence. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. True. Inviting yeah, yeah, yeah. listeners join in. <laughs> Feels good. So last um one of our last questions um, that we ask everybody every time. Um, what does the future of the church look like to you? And what is your hope? Oh my gosh. What does the future of the church look like? Uh, are we talking church universal? Or are we talking United Methodist Church? Um, uh, capital C Church. Wherever you want to go with it. Okay. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, the future of, of church for me definitely has been gosh, for the last 15 years, I've just seen it, been seeing it move this way towards fresh expressions to where, to where the idea almost doesn't even seem fresh anymore. I've been telling all of my congregations for years now, like, hey, let's, you know, they're having baseball practice or baseball games while we're in worship. Why don't we just go over there and do something with them, you know? And so um, in West Virginia, we had this, we had a little sign that we put up every now and then at, at the church, the church has left the building, we're out doing this or that. And, and, you know, like really going with that model of trying to be the church. And I think that's where the church needs to go. I don't care if it's United Methodist Church or any of the other 10,000 Protestant denominations, you know, I think it's just so important that we, um, 
that we go be with the people. That's what Jesus did. Enough of the behind the door meeting. This is for the elect few. If, if there's anything that the gospel of Acts taught us, it's that it's for everyone. Literally. So, yeah. You know, you, you answered this very humbly, but um, I do see you as the embodiment of no. Micah 6.8. Thanks, man. Um, that means a lot. That really yeah. does. It means a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I, I love your ministry. Keep it up. Um, we're all growing in sanctification. Right. I like the minor prophets, right? Um, and Micah is cool. I think Jesus had that like minor prophet kind of edge. Um, but but my, my guy is Amos. Oh. And Amos mm-hmm. was like the little nobody from nowhere who didn't really have the credentials and didn't have the pedigree and didn't come from the priestly family, but he like squared off with the religious powers and was like calling out with the nations. right? He was calling out the high priest at at Bethel and they're like, get out of here with that stuff. But, you know, he was Mm -hmm. like, I'm just a tree trimmer and a shepherd, but the Lord sent me to, you know, do this. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I think that, um, like to be able to bring the kind of thinking and ministry and um, the prophetic voice that you bring to a church like Trinity, which has been super over time, pretty institutional, attractional, programmatic, all those things, mm-hmm. um, and be able to lead that culture in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, that is the embodiment of, of a Micah 6 8 stance. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, that's what they, they called me, and that's what the job description said, too. N- number one, reimagine discipleship, and number two, really reintroduced the language of Holy Spirit and spiritual giftedness. And so when you put those two together, you know, it's the, through God, all things are possible. So, Amen. Mm-hmm. So where what what's coming up next for you? What are some things we can we can look for and how do people connect with you online? Mm-hmm. What's the best way to get connected with you? So I do devotions for Trinity every Tuesday at 8.30-ish a.m. It's supposed to be 8.30, but sometimes Facebook is a little, um, it, it's out there Facebooking, you know? So I think, um, yeah, so that's the best place that I think you can find me, connect with me online. Also, I do LinkedIn. I'm not so much of an online person. My, my presence there is really um, just through the church, but um, what's next for me? I, I think um, I'm seeing Trinity as my toolbox to do God's ministry for um, for quite some time. And so we're we're here looking at this idea of it's called Feast with Friends. And it's another way of just doing dinner church throughout the summer. They meet once a month and it's a really good idea. Just um, we've got a forum that's got all kinds of questions. Do you prefer intergenerational things? Do you want to go out to eat? Do you prefer a potluck? And it's all about getting these people intentionally together to create relationships um, just across the church because we do experience a, lo- a large influx of new people. And um, when we get those people together, uh, I think it'll be great. More small groups, more things will come. Um, what else is coming up? Oh, also, um, 
coming alongside Feast with Friends, we're ha- having a contemplative and Enneagram expert come and do a guest lecture here at the church. Um, her name is uh, Jill Schneider-Smith. She is ordained in the North Carolina Annual Conference. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be an amazing time. I think we're going to do that on June 24th. So, yeah, those are some of the things that are up and coming for me. So, I was just talking to somebody about the Enneagram. It's a good one, I think. You know, not not all those personality tests, none of them are like perfect, but I've always related so much to my number. What are you? Um, I'm a nine wing eight. Interesting. Okay. I'm a one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Close to you on that circle. It's just the other direction. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I'm a one wing nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And I, I'm an eight, aka an eight hole. With a, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> with a seven, love that. seven love wing. That. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of the seven wing, that makes sense yeah. too. That's funny. Enneagram yeah, cool. is really cool. cool. And we've got this huge contemplative culture that's growing here at the church. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just. Jill, she's going to have a conversation on how each of the nine types interacts with a contemplative lifestyle of worship and praise and discipline. So I, I, it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Micah, is, the, um, is your online uh, posture, is that like a spiritual decision or is it just some like somebody your age typically has it's all some- over social media? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. So I, I want to say it was one Lent, maybe a decade ago. I was like, I'm going to give up Facebook. And not only did I not give up Facebook, but everything else was created in the interim. You know what I mean? Like all the other social media was created in the interim of that 10 years. And so I was just kind of like, I never really got off. I know how to use like pretty much most platforms. I know how to use them, but I, I would say that it's just not my... I'm such a, I would say I'm probably vintage in, in that I like to have a relational conversation with people kind of one-to-one in a person, you know, in, in person, you know, we could get tacos together or something, you know, like I'm just that kind of person. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I know it's like a professional space, but for some reason, like that's the one that I've really stuck with the longest. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn. That's the one. I think I have a page, but right. that's all. <laughs> right, and most people. Are yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, and uh, any closing thoughts? Thank you all for having me on this podcast. Um, can't wait to see this and many more episodes, and maybe join you on the PK podcast as well. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Thank you for your definitely. time. Yeah, thanks yeah, for joining yeah, it's us. Awesome. It's been a day for me. I've, I've done this podcast and, and led full staff and did my devotion this morning at 830. I'm like, man, I don't know what's happening. So, yeah. <laughs> well, right. glad you made it here. Yeah, willing to talk yeah, to us. so willing. Yes. Right. Awesome. And to those who are listening, thank you for joining in on this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Micah, please share it with a friend. And if you want to give us a rate review and subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you want to learn more about Fresh Expressions, you can check out freshexpressionsfl.org 
can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. See, we're on we're on all the social media. <laughs> but not LinkedIn, though. Not LinkedIn. I don't know. Well, Maybe we'll have to do that. There's a, the professional community needs Jesus too. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that. All right. We'll see you next time on New People, New Ways. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.